everybody, welcome to the Wicked Side. This is Brenna, and uh... hey, everybody, it's Tom. What a yep. step on my entrance. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. <laughs> he hasn't abandoned me yet. No. Anyway, uh... as always, we wanted to re- issue a trigger warning. Things we talk about get a little dark, a little distressing, and a little depressing. So, if this isn't your flavor of entertainment, maybe find something else today. All right, everybody. We'll see you on the other side. See you. everybody welcome to the wicked side this is brenna hey everybody it's tom yes and we're back with another episode tom actually let me inside the door you know i was <laughs> distracted playing video games i was driving an f1 car down the pch doing like 210 that's true that's true you I told snuck Amanda in when i came in because i could hear you guys yelling from across the street yeah teaching my son yeah. that's pretty fun i told amanda i said i'm just lied to myself and told him that they were just that excited to see me so yeah yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It, you nailed it. <laughs> Don't steal my thunder. It made me feel good. <laughs> you know what? It's so bad. I had to bring the puppies and kittens folder in IRL, and my dog is the pod dog today. So. Yes, we have Appa with us. They're so happy. Oh, Appa, you're sitting under the table like a good boy. Yeah, he's been in a love ant Brenna mood today. So. Oh, he's been in a. I don't know if there were fireworks or something, but he yeah. he is uh, he gets very nervous when the the noise go, goes up. Oh man, Aww. he is the bestest boy though. Oh, he's a good boy. He wants a cookie. Yeah, hey, Abba, you want a cookie? Oh, he's a good boy. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tom, so you ready for today? Yeah, I mean, I've got my dog. Honestly, I don't have the whiskey at the ready, but, uh, you know, who knows? Right. Here's fingers crossed. We're going to get through this one sober. <laughs> I have to go grab it again. I don't oh, know. We'll fuck. see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So we'll, we'll see how you do. I was say, you missed your guess by like a solid 15 minutes last time. Yeah, I did. I was off. <laughs> it wasn't bad. You did guess it. Just, <laughs> ooh, I collapsed a little quicker than you thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Tom. Today we're sticking to format. Today you won't know who you are until the end. Some hardcore true crime fans might already know about this person, but I didn't find out about him until after I started doing some serious digging for subjects for this podcast. So let's get ready to send you back in time. Oh, boy. The quantum (laughs) leap again. Yes. This time... You're hopping in your metaphorical time machine and traveling back to 1859. You were born a female in County Antrim, Ireland. Mm. Yeah, I'm, and I'm and in every Irish, if we have Irish listeners, <laughs> they are like, no, <laughs> they just no. <laughs> and the saddest part is that's I your know. genealogy. I, exactly. Uh, well, <laughs> the the strongest part of your genealogy on both sides. <laughs> You have uh, nine siblings, so a large family. Now, my sources vary, some claiming there is a way to pinpoint, no way to pinpoint exactly what age your family immigrated to the United States, but it's believed between the ages of three and eight. Okay. So, sometime in that. Though one source does say five years old, so that could be that too. Okay. Well, either way, you and your family end up in New York. Okay, well, there you go. It's a good place to end up. <laughs> Shining city on the hill. Yep. And it's here where you start to reveal a very violent temper. Sugar oh. and spice weren't your thing, clearly. 
<laughs> it was bad enough that you developed a reputation amongst the neighborhood itself. Oh, wow. Yeah. But your wrath doesn't stay exclusively to the mean streets of New York, but also to your family. Oh, shit. Eventually, you and your family part ways after too many physical altercations take place. This happens while you were still in your teenage years. You float around the eastern side of the U.S. for a few years until 1879 when you marry a man named Charles Hopkins in Pennsylvania. Though apparently Charles Hopkins isn't his real name, it was Ketspool Brown. Why does everybody back then seem to not know. have the real name? Like, I don't, they're well, all faking it. To Fuck be it. fair, his name was Ketspool. I probably would have changed it, too. I mean, our ancestor changed it from um, Constantine. Constantine. Yeah. yeah. To Dewey. Which is such a badass name. I know. We could have been Constantine, damn it. I know. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. You two had a son together, though some sources claim you had him institutionalized. For those who aren't sure what that means, the person in question is considered to be severely mentally ill and is legally detained um, most of the time against their will, sometimes by their family and sometimes by the authorities. Oh, yeah. yeah We've done they, episodes on how good this system was. Yeah, yeah. But in 1881, Charles slash Ketspool dies. I couldn't find exactly how that happened. You didn't stay single very long, however. Of course I didn't. I'm a fucking hot mess. Oh, yeah. Later that same year, you remarry. Your second husband is named Artemis Brewer, which is a badass name, who is both a veteran and a pensioner. Okay. Uh, nice. Though this term isn't really used in the U.S., it is widely used around the world. Here in the U.S., we usually call them retirees. Right. So now, here again, sources say that he dies less than two months into the marriage. Oh, Others shit. say he made it nearly a year. So I'm not sure which is true, but either way, it ends the same for him. He oh, didn't survive the, very long. Is this the choking peepaws episode? <laughs> Are we going to be choking us some grandpas? Let's see, let's We're see. We're equal opportunity stragglers around here. <laughs> yep. And in the worst streak of suspicious luck, your third husband, a man named Hiram Parkinson, apparently leaves you. But there might be a clue as to why you seem to have such an unlucky streak. And we find that clue in the marriage to your fourth husband, a man named George Smith. And another one bites the dust. Yeah. <laughs> Smith had been a friend of your second husband, Brewer. They served in the military together. He managed to stay. He manages to stay alive, however, because he catches you uh, trying to poison his tea with arsenic. Fuck yeah. Yeah. All right, arsenic and lace. Let's do this. <laughs> Broadway reference for all of you out there. Uh, now, I'm going to go off on a short tangent here about arsenic itself. Uh, it has been a popular way to forcibly separate a soul from its body for centuries. Unalive, if mm -hmm. you will. First, because it's colorless, odorless, and tasteless. What is xylocaine powder? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this makes it very easy to slip into someone's food or drink without being the wiser. And because it was used for so many household reasons for so long, it was easily and readily available. And it was affordable. Inconceivable! The um, symptoms of arsenic poisoning are similar to that of food poisoning, along with several digestive disorders. So many times people just didn't realize they were being poisoned, nor did the doctors or the people caring for them. 
although a single large dose would give its victims severely painful cramps, diarrhea, and of course vomiting. It's not a pleasant way to go. It's very painful. And in 1836, chemists named James Marsh develop a chemical test to detect arsenic, and poisoning slowly began to decline after that. However, some continued to use it because if people just didn't recognize the symptoms or that it was a poisoning, it wouldn't be tested for. Right. So older people um, and sometimes children, you know, anybody who was frequently ill wouldn't stand out or wouldn't be suspicious for them to get sick at this time. Oh, boy. Yep. And you have to remember this was the 1800s. Didn't have the same means of communication back then. Luckily, so, this dude noticed. Yeah. Spiked his tea with a little something extra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no viable way for police stations to communicate between each other. So to avoid suspicion, sometimes all a murderer would have to do is move before the police got onto him. You could literally tell your neighbors any story you wanted to, and they wouldn't have any way to verify it. You know, so you just you can't be too harsh on police during this time for not noticing things sooner. They didn't have a database to access. You oh, know? Yeah. They didn't I have mean, files to reference. All of the police techniques and mm-hmm. detective techniques or whatever are yet to be invented. Yeah, exactly. So very, very hard to keep track of people back then. So. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, wasn't that the golden age of serial killers and whatnot? Um, There was... A lot back then, but the, I think the Golden Age is largely considered the 70s. Oh, okay. Because there just seemed to be uh, an uprise in it. I don't think there was. I think there was just an uprise in coverage. Oh, fair enough. You know, I mean, just because human's gonna human. Couldn't have been that so. hard to get away with. They had to come up with a test for arsenic just to mm-hmm. see how many people were being poisoned. Yeah. So, uh, back on topic, after you were caught trying to put your husband into a permanent sleep state, you fled with all of his money. (laughs) So not only did you try to kill the guy, you fucking robbed him. Yeah, take the bag. (laughs) That's how it goes. If Cardi B taught you anything, (laughs) take the bag. Yeah, well, you made your way to uh, Bellows Falls, Vermont. You remarry a man named Charles Playstell, but... You leave him two weeks later, and nobody's really sure where you went for a while. Considering you weren't found again until 1888, you might have been laying low and hiding out as best you could. I was going to say, the master could. of knowing when to f- get the fuck out. Exactly. But, you know, who knows? Uh, there's no documentation during this time, so we're just not sure. Anyway, between the winter of 1888, um, or the winter of 1888, finds you working in a saloon at 1218 North Front Street. Okay. Which I thought was kind of cool that they actually had the address. Uh, the bar was run by a family you knew back in Ireland named the McQuillans. You went by Maggie Hopkins at this time, and after a while you set yourself up a shop. A shop which you burned down in a very obvious attempt at assurance fraud. Hell yeah. Yeah. You were actually arrested and sentenced two years in Philadelphia's infamous Eastern, Pen- Eastern State Penitentiary. I, I am a persistent wannabe criminal at this point. Yep, I am. Yep. I'm going for murder, arson. I don't give a fuck. Okay, but here's the funny part to me. You were sentenced on St. Patrick's Day, which just seems nice. like an extra insult to an Irish woman. <laughs> and then the fact that she's like, my fake name's Maggie. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, way, to, way to hit the cliches. Right on the nail. Yep, yep. <sighs> now, uh, 
on an article I found on irishcentral.com. This claims it was around this time that your son from your first marriage was put into an institution. Um, so this is when he went, it, he was institutionalized. Okay. Um, for having a violent and uncontrollable temper himself. Oh, so it runs in the family. Well, I have to wonder if it's a mix of both. Living on the run with a mother who was committing murder and who was volatile in her temper it just couldn't have been easy, you know? Nah. So Man. it just might have been a mix of, you know, trauma, mental illness, and... Um, Good old nature plus nurture. Yeah, well, genetics, too, you oh, know? Just that's the a nature perfect part. cocktail, you know? Yeah. It's a good swirl right there. Yep, yep. Creates an unstable individual. Which, by the way, in general, that's tend to be where I fall on most of that. I think it's a combination. I don't think it's one or the other. Yeah, ever. I so, think we've actually said that before. Yeah, I, I'm always like, whenever anyone yeah, tries to argue all for one purely one, other. I'm like, well, no. <laughs> it's yeah. So ever, it's rarely ever black and white. It's almost always gray. But yeah, it, I think it's a human need though to try to simplify things as much as we can, and then the reality is things are very rarely simple. You right. know, so. But either way, uh, I can't see his life being a happy or healthy one growing up like that. So I feel for him. Yep. Uh. When she was released, she made her way to Sullivan County in upstate New York. Uh, but you also changed your name around this time to Lizzie Brown. You found work as a housekeeper for a man named Paul Halliday in 1890. You married him. Paul was a 70-year-old man who had been widowed twice himself. By this time, I'm sure some of our true crime fans know who we're talking about. I have no fucking idea. I didn't think you would. So um, <laughs> I'm going to just go ahead and tell you now. But you are the infamous Lizzie Halliday, the serial killer. Maybe I've heard that name before, mm-hmm. but I had no nothing. Yeah. Well, you're going to learn. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, pretty sure you never heard of her. I certainly had it until I stumbled across her during my research. Fair enough. Anyway, the unfortunate Holiday family had no idea what kind of hell they had just let into their home. There were frequent bouts of fighting within the home because of you and your temper. You fought with Holiday's oldest sons and even threatened multiple times to kill your husband. Jeez. Then on May 26th, you lit the largest barn the family had on fire. Holy shit. Yep. But to make it worse, you also took all the family's workhorses down to Newborough and sold them all. Holy fuck. Yeah. Tell me she shits in Johnny Depp's bed next. (laughs) (laughs) You also burned down the family mill the same year. Oh, holy fuck. Yep. She is a serial arsonist at this point. Yep. Yeah. Now, the next story varies depending on the sources, but one thing is known for certain, that Paul's son, John, who was mentally disabled, died in one of the fires. One source says it was in the mill fire. Another says it was in the house fire, which was the third fire that you lit. When you locked Paul in his room and had the key on you when you were questioned by the authorities later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All the evidence needed. Yeah. Honestly, the house story seems to be more viable considering he was disabled, and I can't think of a reason for him to be in a mill. So, And more sources that I found um, said that it was the house, that he was in the house, that she locked him in his room and then set the house on fire when everybody was away, specifically to kill him. Holy shit. Because she didn't like uh, 
dealing with a disabled person, apparently. It's a cold, cold savage. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was the one thing everybody could agree on, is that you had a long history of not liking John. She had a long history of not liking humanity. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's suspected that the house uh, fire was just so you could murder John. Um, while attempting to flee the state with another man, you were captured and arrested. After a wild trial, where you behaved like an absolute lunatic, you ended up being sent off to an asylum after being found insane. This was despite Paul telling the judge and anyone who would listen that you were faking it. Sadly, in yet another wild and bizarre twist, shortly after admitting you, they released you, claiming you were cured, and they sent you back to the Halliday family. This bitch is crazy. Yeah. It seems to lend credence, though, to Mr. Halliday's claim that you might have been insane, but you weren't insane enough that you weren't aware of your actions. Yeah. Yeah. All I can think is one of three things happened. To me, most likely, is that she was faking the extent of her insanity to begin with, um, that she was just a very cold, calculated murderer. And I think you have to be a little crazy to do that, but not to the point where you're not aware of your own actions. Well, I mean, you so, gotta, I mean, that's the elements of psych, is it psychopathy, so, sociopathic tendencies, like just generally... Yeah. It's it's what you want. Other people's feelings don't exist don't or come into even, you know, effect. There's no consideration given. Yeah. It's just you and what you want next and writing that. Mm-hmm. And she's not stupid. So that, that, like, decent level of intellect plus that, that's classic. It's a dangerous combination. Classic, yeah. Uh, yeah. The oof. other thing that I thought of, too, uh, option B, was that she was so fucking crazy and violent, the hospital couldn't control her and was like, fucking take her, you know? I don't know. Back then, like, we don't just, fucking want her. Uh, throw you in the basement with chains or something? Fuck. Yeah. Um, or C, she was crazy but clever, and they thought a woman uh, couldn't cause that much damage, and she <laughs> played into that until they released her because of some like lazy form of sexism. Who knows, you know? Anyway, you uh, slice it, it equaled something terrible for the Halliday family. No shit. Yeah. The nightmare's over. Oh, fuck, here she oh, comes again. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> First, Paul went missing. Oh. Both family, particularly his sons and neighbors, remembered seeing you on the farm the day he was last seen. Suspecting the worst, they contacted the police. The Sullivan County authorities obtained a warrant um, after a little bit to search the farm, and they made their way there. Uh, They began to search, looking for Mr. Holiday. You tell them that he's away in another town doing a masonry job. So that was the cover story. After looking for a while, the officers find something, but not what they expected. Instead of finding Halliday's body, they find the bodies of two women under a pile of hay in one of the barns. These women were later identified as Sarah and Margaret McQuillan, the family. Oh, wow. That helped you. Yeah. Jeez. Margaret was Sarah's mother. They died from fatal gunshot wounds from a thirty-two caliber five-shooter. I only included that detail for you. Hey. <laughs> both were from New York and both were members of the same family that had been kind enough to give you a job in Philadelphia. Jeez. Yeah. You were immediately arrested and brought in for questioning, but the officer officers weren't able to get any answers out of you. You would babble incoherently, rip and tug at your clothes instead. Because they suspected you were faking insanity, they held you in custody and returned to do a more thorough search of the farm. And then they found poor Paul. 
Oh, shit. Yeah, you stuffed his body under the floorboards in the kitchen of the house after you shot him. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, it was the fact he began to rot and putrefy that led the officers to finding his very mutilated remains. Yeah, this is uh, some Edgar Allan Poe there. Yeah, right? Still, you said nothing. You would rage, scream, and even attempted suicide multiple times. You set your bed on fire, tried to hang yourself, and tried to slice your own throat with some broken glass. Apparently, you told your jailers, I thought I would cut myself to see if I would bleed. Oh. Yeah. That's like I'd say that's heavy hard to argue crazy at this time. Like, it's hard yeah. to argue. There's, there's definitely some levels of crazy to this. Yeah. Yep. But you wouldn't answer any of their questions. You were held for around a year before your trial. And I can only imagine it was a very eventful year for those officers. Eventually, they didn't have much of a choice and they changed you in your cell to stop your destructive behavior. During this time, the media picked up on your story and began reporting on the woman who was Elizabeth Margaret McNally. Hmm. But because of the infam you know, but became the infamous serial killer Lizzie Halliday. So Elizabeth Mar- or Eliza Margaret McNally was your birth name. Jeez. They went wild with speculation and posited theories um, about how other people in your life may have forcibly been shoved through heaven's gates. <laughs> there were even rumors started by the Sullivan County Sheriff of all people that you were either either were or were somehow connected to the Jack the Ripper killings, although. This didn't seem possible. There was no records I could find of you ever traveling back to. Uh, I mean, they you know, tried to tie the ocean, H. H. Holmes to that too. So. Yeah. They also tried to claim that you killed uh, people in Belfast before you immigrated with your parents, but um, of course, this was found to be untrue. You were like a child. Jeez. We know at the very least. Like, you were eight years old or younger before, so right. no. Um, not that kids can't, I mean, the Mary Bell case proved to us that kids very much can kill, so. There you go. Eventually, the story was picked up by the incredible Nellie Bly, who managed to get an interview with you. It was this interview that revealed details of your past, including your previous husbands, all things that Bly did, in fact, go confirm. But we also have interviews with Paul's son, Robert, that fill in some of the facts about your life, especially your time on their farm. One thing the press speculated about that does seem likely is the deaths and disappearances of some of your husbands being murdered. Uh, of course, there's no solid proof, but considering your attempt to poison, you know, your fourth husband, it seems likely to me. So. Jiminy Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. Your trial was, of course, a huge sensation with tons of media coverage. Of course it was. Media was noon. Yeah. On June 21st of 1894, you were convicted of Margaret and Sarah's murders. And you became the first woman sentenced to death via electric chair, which was just installed in New York. (laughs) However... They just flipped the switch. (laughs) However, this sentence would actually later be commuted to life in a mental institution... Um, there is one source that said when the verdict was read, you launched yourself at Harri- uh, Sheriff Harris Beecher and bit him. And this led to an infection so severe that eventually he had to have his arm amputated. Ew. I don't know how true that is because I couldn't find that backed up in any other source. I just found it in the one. So I don't know. Ugh. Take that one with a grain of salt. 
gross. Yeah. I mean, that there's have a bad breath, and then there's that. <laughs> Got Komodo dragon bite. Right. Yep. Oh. Anyway, they sent you to um, Met. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna butch- butcher this, and I apologize. Matawan, M A T T E A W A N State Hospital. Either way, another yep. one bites the dust. Fuck you. not surprising to anyone you killed again in 1906 after you stole a pair of scissors and jumped on nurse nelly wicks oh geez you stabbed the poor woman over 200 times before they were able to contain you this is why we have plastic silverware Mm -hmm. this is why some Mm -hmm. people can't be trusted to anything but a spork yeah well apparently you had been acting like the model patient up until this point and had been granted sewing privileges, which is how you got your hands on the scissors. Holy shit. You targeted Nurse Wicks, however, because you two had grown fond of each other. And you became very upset when you found out she actually intended to leave the hospital. <laughs> yeah. So on June 28th of 1918, you died in the same hospital of something called Bright's disease. A classification of kidney disease, which modern medicine now calls acute or chronic nefer- nephritis. Oh. Symptoms include swelling or edema, a protein called albumin in the urine, and high blood pressure and heart disease. It Holy could also, um, or might lead to blindness or coma in extreme cases. I mean, karma? Yeah. And there you have it, Tom. The strange and wicked tale of the serial killer, Lizzie McNally. Uh, I know her name was technically Holiday at the time, but I just feel bad putting her name right they on the family that, was a that curse she upon like, their family. tortured. So, and then she telltale hearted the husband, the the, yeah. the the patriarch, if you will. Yep. Oh, yeah. I figured they probably hated the family. Probably hated having their name like tied to that forever and ever yeah. amen oh. like the one of the biggest sources of pain for them so i'm just gonna call her mcnally that's that's lizzie mcnally as far as i'm concerned holy shit <laughs> uh, so uh, i uh you know you just you can't you can't trust these hoes you know <laughs> <laughs> you certainly can't trust that hoe <laughs> i mean holy shit Man, and what a bullet the guy she was going to run away with. Like, no dodged. kidding. Like, he matrixed that shit, and he didn't even know it. <laughs> just, you just, you never know which moment is going mm-hmm. to define the rest of your life. Yeah. And that motherfucker dodged that shit hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she might kill his ass, too. Oh, for sure. Oh, God. Everybody she touched. Yeah. Oh, definitely her first three husbands, because the third one just disappeared. Oh, you were like, nice to her? You tried to help her? Die, motherfucker, die! Right. But her third one just disappeared altogether. Like, they never found him. They don't know what happened to him. Like, Jeez. Yeah. And she made a bunch of excuses, uh, like he was away at work, or he, you know, he left her, or things like that, but... Right. Yeah. Yeah, nobody believes that. No. We <laughs> do know the fourth guy left her be- because he survived. Right. <laughs> And told everybody, no, that bitch is poisoning people. <laughs> yeah. The, the one guy who was suspicious enough to be like, is this bitch putting my tea? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is that? <laughs> the fuck, man. <laughs> Inconceivable. And he had to, like, he because he was friends with a second husband. No he shit. had to be like... Oh fuck! Oh, <laughs> almost got. Did she got. kill my friend too? Right? Damn! 
he got her or she got him and now, now she tried to get me <laughs> i'd move right i'm moving somewhere else bitch got everybody <laughs> ever hear another irish accent again i'd lose my fucking mind right <laughs> get that bitch away from me oh god yeah i just such a weird case and to me it kind of illustrates too just how easy it was to get away with shit like that back then literally all you had to do was move tell them to like make up another name and yeah you know now i gotta walk around suspicious about the drinks she makes me for the rest of the week (laughs) (laughs) yeah no amanda wouldn't though if she's put up with you this long you're (sighs) safe I mean, am I though? Am I? I think feel so. like I'm just one bad joke away from it. Yeah, but that would leave her with your son. I don't know. I got a pretty healthy uh, insurance policy. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I, that is just. <sighs> it's not quite bad enough you're going for the whiskey. So. No. no. <laughs> this, but it's not good either. This bitch out here barn burning. <laughs> Uh, she was everything. Mm-hmm. She It wasn't like she just, oh, I specialize in, you know, stabbing hookers in alleyways. Like, no, no, no I'm going to burn a bar, shoot these two, yeah. poison this motherfucker. Oh. Across the board. She just, and oh, stabbed this one with scissors. Like, mm-hmm. she doesn't care. No. Didn't, whatever. No, just wanted him dead. Holy crap. Just unalived. Mm-hmm. Going for the world record of how many ways can one person unalive people. Yep. Oof. And just article after article that I found, too, resource after resource, was like, violent temper. Violent temper. Everything said violent temper. You don't so say. I'm like, shit. <laughs> you don't say. So look at her wrong, and you're getting beat down, and you're like, what did I do? <laughs> Shoot. Apparently, she just turn around and shoot you. Yeah, you breathe wrong in her vicinity. And oh, oh, you don't like your job? You're going to leave? I'm stabbing you. I'm fucking stabbing you a bunch. Mm-hmm. God damn. <sighs> yeah. Well, thank God I picked a sane one. <laughs> I, it makes you feel good when you know you're the crazy one in the relationship. Right. You know? <laughs> that's, that's the reassuring fact. I'm definitely the more crazy one. Yeah. Like, She's a very stable, calming force. Yep. So you guys balance each other out well. So I say I don't I don't have to worry about getting like shit burned or poisoned or stabbed. No. Nope. I did teach her to shoot too. So <laughs> She's I trust her somehow. Reason, so. Oh, no, man. I love my sister in law. So, She's the best. So who's the crazy one between you and Scott? Oh, definitely me. Definitely <laughs> me. Are you kidding me? I know. I just wanted you to say it. <laughs> That's not even a question. I heard my feelings. I am uh, self aware. Uh, it's for the listeners. Uh, they don't too. Are you kidding me? <laughs> They're Fair aware. Enough. Fair <laughs> enough. We have not hit anything here. <laughs> oh fuck. I mean, we are the crazy ones in our relationship. To be fair, yeah. that's Emma but, too. Oh yeah. god, yes, yeah. yes. TJ is very stoic. He's yeah, yeah, very stoic and very just even keeled and it's hilarious to watch them like when you see her getting like hyped up and then he's like it's okay babe and then she slowly starts to like calming calm down yeah it's like watching like the bubbles in a a drink that just overflowed start to like fizz down (laughs) but to be fair like scott is very much that for me when i get like i i hyper fixate on something when i'm upset 
Yeah, and I, I, I know. I that have feeling. a hard time letting it go until because I want to fix it. I want to. Mm. I want to solve the problem, and I want to talk about it until it's solved. But unfortunately, that's not reality. Right. You know, and and after a lot of reflection, I know that now, and I'm able to let things go now. Not always the thing in my in my past that I was able to do, but he's he's been really great for that. So now you know he's he just is like, hey, babe, you're focusing too much. Back off. Take a couple deep breaths because all you're doing is getting yourself more worked up. And it's like, all right, you're right. And then I, I back off and then you know reevaluate when I'm calmer. And it's helped a lot just having him there as a stabilizing presence. So. Yeah. Amanda's just great. When I start, I just, uh, when I hyperfix it, I tend to, uh, just, I, I try to externalize as much of it as I can quickly. Yeah. And it empties the tank. And then I tend not to rehash it in my own head once I've said it out loud. Mm -hmm. She barely gives a response. Like it's mm -hmm. it, usually it's not a, you know, in the positive or the negative. It's just, yep. Mm -hmm, yep. Keep, you know, get it out, get it out, get it out. Vomit yeah. all you want to. Exactly. Well, I think there's a the thing, too. Like, we're both very passionate people. Our family are very passionate people. And I do think there's this misnomer that passionate people cannot control their feelings. And that's not true. You we have to. We can. We just have to manage it. Yeah. You know, and it's it's that stopping ourselves when we feel ourselves going too far. <coughs> it's the, you know, finding other ways to channel that energy. Like, I clean. When I'm upset, I clean. <laughs> Amanda so. would love it if I cleaned when I was upset. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, it, she'd, it helps she'd be me pissing focus. me off just it to get it happening. It gives me a task that has a conclusion. Oh, yeah. And that helps soothe whatever's going on in my head. See, that's you know? why, like, that's why games are my way to unplug. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, you showed up, we were doing the racing or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's because for that, you know, however long that lap takes or however long the race takes, I am supremely focused mm -hmm. in something that has an outcome. Well, I did, um, I read an article somewhere that, like, for a lot of neurodivergent people, that's why, like, video games can potentially become addictive. Oh, yeah. Because it is a problem with a solution. Yep. And that feels good. That's satisfying. Yep. You know? That gives our brain what it needs. Yep. You know? Um, you so I get it. I totally get it. I mean, look around you and tell me it's not an addiction. Yeah. Like, well, I think that's why I like tattooing, because it's, there's a solution. You work on it, you finish it. Yeah. You're done. You know, and, and it's there. It's very rewarding and satisfying because there is a conclusion and an end, and you get to see that. Dude, look at this computer set up and tell me video games are an addiction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just no. a crack. I don't know what to tell you. It, my art room, it's the same way. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it, yeah, there's too much fucking money in there and <laughs> my supplies. Nope, I feel you. So. But. It gives me, I'm building something up and, you know, this is a space that, it's not like it's, a, you know, the, the He-Man Woman Haters Club. I mean, my wife's desk is right there. Yeah. We game together. And well, and uh, you and I record in here. You yeah. Know? We, yeah. And I, we use, I mean, you saw, it. me and Buddy were hanging out in here. It's, it is, mm -hmm. this is our cool spot. This is our. It's the same with my, with my, um, I'll call it my office, but it's in my bedroom. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like. It, a family because the the bed's pretty big so every now and then if i'm working we'll throw something on the tv and then oh. scott and the kids will pile on the bed with the dog and they'll watch tv while i'm working and we'll still spend time together we'll talk we'll goof around i mean we have fun and it, it's still a way to have a space where you can have an outlet 
yep. but still spend time with your family. Yeah. Well, and that's why, honestly, it was, ooh, excuse me, ooh, yeah, it was so important for me to have mm-hmm. the the three screens because um, I was doing the same thing with the VR helmet on, mm-hmm. and it took me so far out. I just felt like I, they didn't exist. Yeah. And I didn't like being that far from them. So I always have the door open and then, you know, I, I keep the three screens up versus doing the helmet. It's just, yeah. it's a way to feel more connected. Yeah. I, if it was just me, if I was single and, and lonely and, you know, all that and underfed like I would be if they weren't here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would probably do that more. But yeah. I just, I don't like being that disconnected. Yeah, single use, you know, I, I convinced just subsided off of Taco Bell pretty Jack's Pizza, Taco Bell, spaghetti <laughs> at home. Yeah, that'd be me. Yeah. 100%. I can cook, but yeah. I don't, I don't, if I'm cooking, it's not, I'm not eating for pleasure. I'm really not. I'm just trying to make a turd. Yeah. I'm just That's it. Trying to get the, the sustenance in yep. there. Yeah. Yep. I'm the same way. I don't take pleasure in cooking. Like, I'm, with, with few exceptions, you know, there's some things I make very well that I know my husband and my son like. And if I know they really like it, then I will make it because that makes me happy. It's steak for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Just getting, it's, it's such a specific process. You know, you're, you get it to that heat, you, Mm -hmm. you know, it's four minutes aside, then, you know, heat to low, finish it in butter, whatever, however you decide to do it. You know, we've done flank in the flank steaks in the broiler. Mm -hmm. Um, but for 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 me right now, it, it, that's the part of cooking I'm enjoying. Cool. And then I'm just pissing together some side dishes. <laughs> so do you get into it to the point where like you're like concerned like about the different cuts of meat and things like that too? Or? Oh yeah. Like well, for me, it's like we we, and it depends on who you know who we're getting them from or whatever. But for the yeah. most part, we both enjoy like a ribeye. Mm. Um, you know, with a thicker cut and just the way it cooks is generally a little bit easier i think yeah it's a little more forgiving uh where you get like a thick new york and if you do that one wrong i think it just turns out to be shoe leather but it's Mm -hmm. like you got to let it be at room temperature before you start cooking it you've got to let it rest afterward Mm -hmm. there's a there's a process to it that i enjoy and i've been learning that process recently because before i was just i didn't realize how many steaks i fucking wasted (laughs) fair fair (laughs) yeah the the other way I enjoy cooking is if I'm learning. So it would like with the um, when I did the the Chinese dumplings. Yeah. So that's because that was the whole learning. Too. I love it. It's it's a lot. It is definitely something that's easier to make with family. Well, like Asian foods but... in general is one. Like we you've you've seen our spice cabinet. It's fucking enormous. Yes. I do not fit the white people cliche. Like no, neither do we. I, 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 enormous spice cabinet, and we mm. just expanded to like Asian spices and seasoning. So it's you know, fish sauce, oyster sauce, mm-hmm. you know, lots more ginger, all kinds of different. Yes. You know, a whole selection of that different. That is a main staple for me is ginger. Mm. Yeah. I love the flavor of ginger and things. Nice. Um. One of my favorites, and I got this from a restaurant when I worked with uh, for the airline industry. They had um, sent me off for training, and there was a restaurant in the hotel. And we got per diem, of course. Right. Um, and I ordered a uh, salmon with uh, honey and ginger glaze. Oh, okay. And Scotty and I recreated it, and... Oh, that sounds good. So good. I, so good. And I like salmon. I'm not a big seafood eater, but I love salmon. See, for me, the one I'm trying to get right 
mm-hmm. is uh, lo mein. I oh, want. Yes. I love. It's it's Chinese spaghetti, man. It's <laughs> what is to not like you 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 get your own you know mix of vegetables and stuff that you mm-hmm. enjoy in there, and you you get it all together and you get the meat just right and you throw it in. Mm-hmm. Oh man, oh it's making my mouth water right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, actually, I'm really really proud of Scott and I though. We've um, managed to eat pretty healthy this week. We've been a little bit more on track, and I have. I'm focused a little more on diet because I had a realization. I had one of those personal like realizations about um, my, one of my problems, not so much with work um, because I'm, I'm pretty consistent with work, but with my personal life and my home life is consistency. I am terrible about it. And so I've been trying to find ways to keep myself consistent and to keep myself responsible. So I've been relying on my phone a lot as far as like timers. It helps you be mindful. It, it does. It yep. helps a lot. And that's the thing. Like everybody bad mouths phones, but it's a tool. It's how you use it. Yeah. It's you know? the library of Alexandria. You can yeah. burn it to the ground or you can fucking read from it. Whatever you want to do. Exactly. Man. So that's what I've started using. I use the timers to help me with laundry because that's that's something I think that neurodivergent people across the board have an issue with. We, we put the laundry in the washer and then we forget about it. You right. know? But um, I've I've set alarms now, so I've been better about that. So we've been better about eating. I've been better about chores and things like that. And all it it has come down to is having a list and setting timers. Yep. And those things help so much. I'm working on quitting smoking, so I threw all of my dietary restrictions out the window. Oh, yeah. Um, And I I was down on pop by a lot, and I was doing really well. And I realized that when I put the not smoking and the not drinking pop together, mm-hmm. I just wanted to kill people. Yeah. Uh, burn down a few barns, you know, <laughs> stab a few people with scissors. Take your 32 cal. That for, it, it was, I just was so, and, and Amanda called it. She's so awesome. <laughs> that first week, she's like, and the depression. And she's like, the anger will be around in about seven days. <laughs> like, <laughs> she, she fucking she was scheduling called <laughs> it. Goddamn. She's seen this dance enough times. This is the first time I've tried to quit smoking. Yeah. And she just, she's been through it. She, like, she knows the routine. She knows how to, what, like, yeah. she knows what position she's got to play when it <laughs> happens. Like, oh. it's. I uh, and uh, yeah, I just threw all dietary things out the window. I was just like, all right, give me the ice cream, give me the fucking pop pop, give mm. me the you know. I did not care. Yeah, it's just one coping mechanism to another. Mm-hmm. But I know I can control the eating one. It's it's mm-hmm. much easier than the smoking. Yeah. Um, but it, I wish uh, it was for me, but it's not for me. It's a lot. I'm I'm a convenience eater, which of course leads to. Fast foods and not all kinds a good, other a stuff. Good, yeah, because yeah. well, I'm busy all the time. You know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Cooking yeah. is just an obnoxious thing that takes up more time that it could be doing something else. I mean, fair. That's and and that's why Scott does most of it. Yeah. You know, but we've been trying to use it as family time yeah. to encourage us to do it more often. Yeah, getting him into it. You know, him learning to use a knife. You know, you you, you know you want to do this. You set the pan. You know, the heat to this mm-hmm. and get the pan this hot. And you know, yeah, like we made French toast and stuff this morning. He yeah. he was beating the eggs and you know making the French toast mix and you know flipping bacon and all that fun stuff. But we awesome. really have tried to use it just as family time to encourage mm-hmm. everyone to be there. Plus, 
it that's a shows, good idea. I might have to start doing that. Well, for for him, he's a little boy too, and I want him yeah. to know that like you contribute to the fucking house. Your yes. wife is not your goddamn mommy. If you want Thank food made, you. be in there making goddamn food. Yeah. Don't don't sit around playing your video games while your mom makes your fucking lunch. This ain't that. Exactly. You know that was cute when you were a young kid. You are taller than her now, and <laughs> yeah. she has to ask you to get shit off off shelves. Mm-hmm. So at this point in your life, like you do your own laundry, you collect a paycheck for doing chores. Like yep. you're gonna learn to cook for yourself. Now, granted, he's also the most picky eater on the damn planet. Yes, but yeah, it it exposes him to that food in the process, and he has eaten more because of being part of the process. So it mm-hmm. it really has served our goals very well. Yeah. We've done that. 30 minutes, um, by the way. Most meals, 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah, when you do it together, it doesn't take that long. No. Yeah. Even the dishes, like, get him doing them while we're doing that. and Oh, yeah. It, That's the one thing I can't really help with, because I'm allergic to most liquid soaps. God, I wish I had that so, excuse. It sucks, because even, like, certain body washes I can't use. Or huh. it, I, like, I break out in these awful, painful red bumps. I always wondered what that smell was. Fuck you. <laughs> I can use body washes, and I do. I just have to be careful, so... Ooh. You have no way to refute it. It stinks in here, folks. It no. does not. Actually, okay, and this is, like, maybe getting too deep, but I'm just going to say it. Like, being a bigger woman, okay. I am hyper aware of my smell. Yeah. I, yeah, am, I have, I have I bigger am, friend, guy friends who are the same way. Yes. Like, if you can be big, you got to be ultra clean. Yes. Uh. Yeah. I am so picky about how I smell, how my clothes smell, yeah. like ever, all of that. It, you know, I'm Gabriel Glacius made a joke about that, like about how like powder is your best friend. You know, he's like, if I fart right now, you're all going to, it's all going to smell like cinnamon, you know? And that's <laughs> like, it, it, for a lot of bigger people, that's exactly how it is. Like, because the stereotype is that we're gross, is that we're unkempt and, You don't want to fit that stereotype at all. You want to be as far from that as you can. So you become almost obsessed about being clean and making sure that you smell nice. And here I am using my wife like a barometer. Like, do I need a shower now? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I am very much that. Like, if if anybody in my family, I'm like, you need to go get clean right this second. Uh. So... It's it's more so my son because he's a teenager and you know you have to tell yep. teenagers like you smell bad go <laughs> well uh, I mean, find the water I, and the soap. This I second. think we've talked about it before. Like we we instituted deodorant and all that stuff. Like yes. y- you hit the age now where you walk by me and my nose curls up a little bit. Yeah, you go put some of this on, man. You got to make sure you're changing the underwear. You got to mm-hmm. make sure you know you, you fresh. Now I don't know how um, it works for you, but give you a small tip that helped us with Aiden. I mean, I, you guys don't seem to have an issue with, with Liam, though. No, he's been but great. I think I think Aiden, females were enough encouragement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, first, maybe then for anybody else, but for us with Aiden, it was taking him out and letting him pick his own products. Oh, okay. Because then he got excited about it. Because then he wanted to use it. These were his yeah. things. Well, we he did that from the that. start. We did that from so, the start. It's yeah. like, hey, does this smell good to you? Well, okay, because this is what you're going to smell like. <laughs> I think a lot of parents don't realize the power that choice has. Yeah. And how motivating it can be. Yep. 
you know. But yeah, I I agree. That's that's I mean that's why like it was from the beginning. Like I say, we just yeah. it just appeared. But like no, his mom took him out the same way that we take him out shopping every time. And mm-hmm. it was like, all right, this is what you're gonna pick. You got like a million different things to smell here. Which one do you want it to smell like? Yeah. And we stuck him to just regular deodorant. He doesn't need antiperspirant yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and honestly, if he's got the same jeans as me, he won't. Um. But I'm not a stinky guy. I have that. I have that wonderful man musk. It's great. <laughs> well, no, but Dad never was either. Dad no. was always very aware of his hygiene, and yeah. I think he he definitely passed that on to you. Well, and... we have a great natural smell. So. Like we just have a like a a, a a a man musk about us that's not bad. Yeah, well, I I mean, <sighs> like mom mom enjoys Dad's musk the same way Amanda enjoys mine. Yeah, Scott does too, especially for me. It was like whenever Scott was working on cars. Yeah. Because it was that combination yeah. of like, like for, I don't know, oil or something like that, but with his, like, with that slightly sweaty, not when it's old. If it's old or stale, it is yeah. disgusting. Yeah. I don't care who it is. But that, like, freshly, I just sweated, or like, even like sometimes guys at the gym, like, if. Um, Amanda can smell when I've been around diesel. Yeah. But if, if a guy at a gym is living, like, lightly working out yeah. and you can smell that, it's not a bad smell. So, yeah. I mean, depending on the person, but... I'll take your word for it. I'm not going to run sniffing dudes at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't sniff random sure strangers, I promise. Sure but, you didn't. yeah, um, my Ladies friend watch your Steph husbands. <laughs> um, used to drag me out. Serial so. sniffing dudes at the gym. I mean... <laughs> Fair enough. <sighs> All I know is I... Oh, what a... Serious couple of weeks of change. The quitting smoking part has been super fun. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that's been rough. But I'm very Oh, don't feel bad for me. I walked myself into this fucking problem. Well, I know, but I do feel I don't feel bad for for me. Struggle. Don't don't don't. It's what I it's I walked it an easier bridge to get here than it takes to get the fuck out, but I knew what I was walking into. I, I mean, they. Yeah. Everybody knows cigarettes are addictive. It's what I got into the first time I walked up to the cigarettes, you mm-hmm. know, at the gas station. and was like, "Give me a pack of those." Yeah. It's what I. It, it's what I asked for, and mm-hmm. now I'm getting it. And it just took me fucking thirty or fifteen fucking years to get here. Yeah. See, I'm trying to think. I think for me, because my struggle has always been with food, and I think for oh, me, mine's it's my addictive, impulsive behavior. Yeah. I think it's I. I'm not sure how to balance Speaking of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how to balance a busy life mm. with healthy eating habits. Yeah. I, I you know, Amanda came up with that real well. I struggle with that a lot. And then talk to her. Yeah. She's, she really changed everything. Like Well, we've we've been getting better about it. Amanda was the very much the go out to eat, hamburger helper, like processed food type when we started convenience and yeah yeah, and now she has found like fresh Mm -hmm. good healthy ways and it i mean you've seen it she is the lifestyle change produced a physical change in her that Mm -hmm. is just undisputable yeah she looks good yeah she looks very good yeah she's always been um i always thought she's very pretty so But, but now she has the body shape that you know she wants and is getting closer and closer every day to even the next step of what she wants see i love that you say that though that is it she wants what she wants oh i could give a shit less i don't i love her i've loved her since you know the beginning that's the you know the physicality of it means very little to me i mean yeah but having her 
make these changes of her own accord because she wants to yeah. and then be, supporting her, her struggle is also consistency yeah. to watch her become consistent mm-hmm. in the in what she wants and not providing pressure not like she wanted to support start, not pressure yeah she wanted yeah. to start doing boxing i'm like fuck yeah let's go get pads and gloves and fucking let's start snapping punches out mm-hmm. like I don't I don't want to change her. Yeah. She doesn't want to change me either, which is why she doesn't pressure me to quit smoking. She just plays the yeah. game with me. That I think is very much what Scotty does for me is mm. is very much um supportive and not pressuring. You know, if I if I'm going to put in the effort, if I'm going to do it, he is right there helping me, you know. Yeah. Not pressuring me to do it, but like, okay, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? You know, what can I do to help? Oh. And that is so much better than someone trying to tell you to do it. Right. Because that, that doesn't work. That never works. <sighs> you know? It's wonderful. <laughs> but, yeah, support and, and not, um, you know, orders. Right. Well, you married the person or you with the person because you like that mm-hmm. person. There's no, there. even Amanda, we've talked about it before, it doesn't make sense to get into a relationship with somebody you want to change. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> exactly. And we've, t- we talked to Aiden about this a lot too, because it, it's a genuine worry, especially like how romance is portrayed, like in media and things like that. It, it, you have to understand that that is a fantasy. Yeah. It, it It's not real. The same way. Porn like, isn't real. Anybody is portrayed in the media. It's always a, a fantasy, you know, it, it's not how relationships really work. Right. You know, and, there's no happily ever after. There's not. It, well, you this keep is going. The thing you that, wake like, up every um, day and you're like, "Hey, I love you, and yeah. we're gonna do this for another 24 hours, and then we're gonna keep doing it after that." And yeah. Like, 15 years later, you look back and you're like, "Holy shit!" Exactly. Well, one of my favorite comedians is Daniel Sloss. Yeah. And yeah. I've talked about him before. Oh, a hundred times. And he has this uh, wonderful bit about relationships, and I mean, he says we have romanticized love to the point that it's cancerous. Yeah, in some cases. Yeah, in some, yeah. Not all, but yeah. Um, he has a really great bit on it, so I, I always suggest people go watch right. or listen to him. Don't so. want to step on a professional's. <laughs> no, no, he says it better. Well, he's even got um, a really great argument about, like, advocacy versus ableism mm-hmm. um, with people that have special needs. And... It is so well put that I have used the argument several times. Yeah, that's all myself nice. and like in his words because I can't think of a better way to phrase it. Yeah, you know. No, I, I get it. I quote people all the time for shit I can't think of better for. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes somebody just just says it right. They say it just the way that hits. You, you mean, know. You mean like you say our outro? <laughs> is that a cue to wrap it up? Well, it's not pressure, but it's definitely support. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> uh, but you're right. Yeah, we've been going on for a minute. So, all right, everybody. Well, to wrap it up then, I want to go ahead and thank everybody for uh, joining us today. Thank you to any new listeners. Thank you guys for the returning listeners. It's um, it's really great. I, I love doing this, and I love knowing that people enjoy it. So, hey, puppy. Um, sorry, ADD. <laughs> that was fully Ooh, that on display. Ooh, doggy. <laughs> Doggy. He, he just appeared. 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't know where he went. He was just there suddenly. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you to the Paranormal Podcasting community for continuing support. We love you guys. And um, you can find us on any of our social media. We're at, uh, and most active on Instagram at um, the Wicked Side Podcast. And then Twitter, the Wicked Side Podcast. And then we are also on uh, Facebook at Wicked Myth. So, mm-hmm. yeah. we sure are. Shut up. <laughs> a wicked myth of how it got there <laughs> <laughs> anyway yep uh thank you everybody we appreciate you and we'll see you all on the other side see you <laughs>